Have you tried changing your health year on year, resolving that this year things are going to be different, but nothing seems to change? Oftentimes, when things are not changing, we're following many wellness myths and not looking at the full picture, including our nutrition, recovery, stress management, leaving out mind-body connection. I want to introduce you to Wellness Redefined, a new podcast from Refillion Media that's here to dispel all your myths about wellness and fitness while sharing stories of how we redefine what it means to be healthy. On each episode, we'll be talking to experts from all walks of life who will share their own unique wellness journey and offer their perspective. I am your host, Tamika Rochester, founder and CEO of Harlem Cycle, a premier wellness space in New York City with a focus on indoor cycling. I've been an advocate for wellness since as early as I can remember. So if this sounds like something that could help change your life, go ahead and pause the show you're listening to and subscribe to Wellness Redefined on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I actually just finished, you know, directing two shows back to back. So the beginning of my 2023 was pretty packed. I was in a little directing showcase where I had a 30-minute play that ran in rep with two other kind of emerging directors. Um, and then I had my directing debut of Hate Book by Rahana Lumirza, um, which is a story about Muslim representation. And I was like so excited to get to bring that to Chicago for my debut. Hey folks, it's another Fanboy Friday with me, Shah Jahan Khan. This week's guest is Arti Ishaq. A biracial, non-binary Muslim American, Arti Ishaq has often felt the pressure to simplify their existence for the comfort of others, and the loneliness that comes from never getting to see their whole identity reflected in art and media. The inability to fit into one neat little box has inspired their interdisciplinary art practice as an actor, writer, director, educator, and community advocate. I met Arti through the Pillars Muslim Artist Database as part of my outreach for Rafelion and ISF's Writers Access Initiative. They were kind enough to agree to talk to me for longer than the 15 minutes we'd originally scheduled, and I'm so glad to have been able to do this interview. You can read an excerpt of our interview on Rafelion's FON website for Muslim American Creative Projects at createfon.com. That's C-R-E-A-T-E-F-A-N-N.com. More with Arti Ishaq and me after a quick break. For the rest of the year coming up, I am focusing on, I've got a short film called Bala that I directed that's going through the festival circuit right now. So I'll be out in LA for um, the Michoud Film Festival coming up next month. And then it's going to kind of go on its little festival run and hopefully I'll be able to make it out to a couple of those screenings as well. Um, the only other thing I've got going on is um, a short play of mine uh, is going up at Golden Thread Theater in the Bay Area um, as part of their Reorient Festival in the fall. So I'm actually about to do a little workshop um, with the director and the actors this weekend, virtually on Zoom, um, and then they'll go into production in the fall. So I'm really excited to be there for that. That's awesome. I love how you were like, you know, the only other thing I have going on, and you said like you listed like six <laughs> before that. So that's I can very much relate to that. I know. I was like, yeah, yeah, I've only just got a couple of things. Really, I'm trying to be bored to cultivate a little bit more creativity. And then I'm like listing what I have going on. I'm like, I'm not <laughs> taking any time to be bored. But I want to get my aspiration, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just really I'm trying to con more conscious about the projects I take, make sure there's stuff yeah. that I really love, because I do think that like get to this little like hamster wheel and then you kind of burn out the well of creativity and like 
just happiness that you have for life that, you know, is the source of all inspiration. So I think taking time to be bored, taking time between projects is a good thing. I agree that actually I wanted, I, I didn't have this question originally, but you just brought that up. I was thinking about the same thing. I just came off of a month long tour uh, with the band and stuff. And like uh, we did another uh, on site, but yeah, just the same idea of like, I'm just curious, are you someone who uh, thrives in the madness a little bit? Like, what do you think about this whole balance as an artist? This is literally just occurring to me right now, because I think for me as someone I have, I've tried to be like a balanced person. And in some ways it works. Like there's things that I do that I think ground me that I try to, you know, even when I'm traveling, like whether like exercise kind of things, but like, I don't know if, if like balance is a thing that really works for me. Like, I feel like I'm either at a hundred or like you said, just chilling and doing nothing. And both of them are like equally important. I just was curious. What do you think about that? Yeah. I think that like, I think we should try and reframe the idea of balance too as like not like a place you arrive, but a thing you constantly strive for. So I think that that also helps like balance be like a wider and more achievable type of ideal as an artist, right? And I honestly, the pandemic was such a gift to me in my own personal life because it forced me to slow down and really reevaluate um, because I actually, I was like a rise and grind person, <laughs> if you will. Um, before the pandemic, I was like, let's do it. Let's do everything we can. I'll sleep when I'm dead. Like, we're going to go, 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 go. Because like, I have goals and I want to accomplish them. And like, I have, you know, high aspirations and wanting to change the way the industry functions is like something that can consume you, right? If you're like looking at this thing and only looking at it like a problem, a problem to be solved. But after the pandemic hit and, you know, we were forced to kind of slow down. I kind of had like a little mini breakdown where I was like, oh my God, like, I don't think I'm happy. Like, I don't think that doing these things is making me happy. Um, like, I don't think I, I really like know who I am or like know what I, what I want. Uh, all I'm doing is spinning in this hamster wheel, being told by the industry what I could do to get ahead. And I'm just like listening to the external voices tell me how to live my life. And it wasn't until like the forced shutdown where I was like, oh, let me cultivate, like what is the internal voice? Like what do I actually wanna do? Like what projects are actually meaningful to me? Not because someone told me it should be, um, but because like I really feel that way. And I think sometimes as artists who have like identities that can be commodified by the industry, people will try to like force you into a box where they're like, yeah, yeah, you should really like fight for your cultural representation. And some people really get bored of that. But actually in pandemic, it was when I realized like, oh, actually like that's the thing that I want to do. Like I love being a part of art that centers culture and, you know, Islam and, or centers people who participate in those cultures. And then like, we get to see how it interacts on the sidelines. Like that is, that is what I want to do. And I don't think I would have gotten to that place of like, am I doing it because someone told me to or, or am I doing it because I really want to without this forced pause? And, you know, I, I, I made a lot of promises to myself during pandemic that I'm trying really hard to keep. One of them is not seeing, not seeing any shows or seeing any art that I don't actually want to see, but I feel obligated to out of a sense of uh, like networking or like, you know what I mean? Like kind of like tit for tat, kind of like pay your favors. Mm -hmm. um, I realized I was spending so much money and so much time consuming art that like wasn't making me a better person, wasn't challenging me, like wasn't really serving serving me. It wasn't what I wanted to do with my time. 
right? And then I therefore depleted all of this time that I might have had to take care of myself, to do basic things like grocery shop and prep cook and like, you know, go to the gym, as you mentioned. Like, I think that when we spend our time in like a rise and grind mindset, we forget that like we're not artists first, we're humans first. And that like in order to be a good artist, like I need to take care of this in all of its realms, like emotionally, physically, mentally, right? Um, So I think that I have definitely not kept all of the promises I've made to myself in pandemic about protecting my time. But the really big ones for me have been like making sure I have a day off and making sure that there's like planned rest. So if that means I run errands on a different day where I already work, so I like planning time to rest, planning time to be lazy, planning time to play video games, which is something I would feel so guilty about pre-pandemic, right? Like, how lame is it that you're an adult being like, I've blocked off six hours to play the new Legend of Zelda. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? But um, that's like, it's what recharges me. And um, it's it's another art form that like, I don't have to participate in for work. So I actually mm-hmm. really quite enjoy video games as a way to decompress and still participate in like art, you know? That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Can you tell me about like the first time you ever like did something artistic and you were like, oh man. I think I think I want to do this. And then the second part of the question is when was the first time after maybe you had like been in in your in your career, however you define it for a little while, where you felt like safe to or that like you could finally kind of be your whole self, whatever that means to you. Yeah. I think like looking back on it, looking back on like my art like journey to be an actor. I actually think a lot of it was driven by people telling me that I I couldn't, like that I would never, that I would never make it, that I was like a, like more of a side character that I, you know what I mean? Like, and it's just started from when I was a kid. Um, honestly, the reason I did theater when I was a kid is because it was a like free after school program. Um, and, you know, growing up, we were really poor. So it was like one of the only things that I could participate in after school that just gave me something to do. And so I'd never really like, I wasn't like growing up being like, I want to be an actor, right? Um, And then it got to like, what are we gonna do for college? And a bunch of people were trying out for programs. And like, like, I kind of got passed over. And the teacher was like, well, you don't really need to do that because like, it'll probably never happen. And like, granted, this was a while ago. So to be kind and generous to him, like he probably had never had seen a framework of someone like me becoming a successful actor and was just trying to quote unquote, look out for his student, right? Um, and then that kind of pattern continued through college. Like I wasn't the one that that my undergrad teachers invested in. I wasn't the one that got leads. I wasn't the one that that they bet on, right? Um, and so when I left college, I was like, you know, I'm I'm doing this. And I think that it was the the like constant doubt that built a level of determination that a lot of my counterparts didn't have because they were constantly being like praised for their natural talents. So I do I did feel like I had to work harder, take extra classes, show up early, do all the extra things in order to be considered like on the same level as my peers, but I think that long term it made me really really resilient. Um and a lot of older actors in the industry that I look up to will tell you that like what makes a career actor is resilience because people the reason people stop acting is they leave to do other things, right? They get married, they have kids, like whatever, they find a second job. And it, and it, they were like, if you can hang tight and continue doing this, like that'll be you. And it wasn't until really like, again, the pandemic pause where I was like, okay, I've been doing this out of spite for so long, or I've been doing this out of like a, 
out of a sense of like, okay, you, you're going to tell me what I can't do. Like I'll show you, but like that doesn't necessarily inspire joyful creation. Um, and so like the whole pause gave me a chance to be like, well, okay, instead of creating to respond to somebody, what happens if you just wanted to create like from nothing, like what fills the void, right? And for me, it was the realization that growing up, like as someone who's biracial and Muslim and American and queer, like it was hard to find representation that was like all of those things at once, but no trauma. And like, maybe it's a like a half hour sitcom and something goofy is happening, Right. Um, like that to me is like the dream where it was just like a person who looks like you is like doing this seemingly mundane thing, but like they, they get mediocrity. You know what I mean? Basically mm -hmm. that's what I wanted. I wanted access of like, why can't we just have mediocre art and it just be okay that it's like mediocre Muslim art because there's so much art. Like we don't have to knock it out of the park every single time. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's when I started to really like hone in on like, okay, well, what do you want to do? How do you start to create? And, um, a lot of things just started to fall into place. And even if I wasn't working as frequently, I just feel better about life in general. I didn't know that you could have worth not be tied to your career. And I actually don't think a lot of people do know that. And I think that learning that is like a huge, a huge help with longevity. If you are going to stay in this tough industry for a long time, like your worth cannot be determined by your bookings, by your resume, right? So, yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very Second much. Second part of the question was, um, when did I first realize that I could be my full self? Yeah. In an acting class, actually. Um, I took an acting class in 2019 at Black Box Acting, where now I actually am an instructor. But they were the first, it was the first time I took a class that was extremely challenging but was the very basis of like, you are enough. And I think that as an actor, we're constantly told the opposite. Could you be a little bit more of this? Could you be a little bit more of that? Could you actually be a little bit more neutral so that we can put whatever we want on top of you? But the basis of the training at Black Box is the idea that you are so unique as an individual and everyone is unique in that way, that you can only, that you will bring what you bring to the character, bring what you bring to the role. And like, what'll help you stand out is being yourself, is owning your opinions, is doing what you want to do. And taking that class in 2019 and then the shutdown in 2020 was what caused me to really think of like, actually, what do I want to do? I don't think I've asked myself that question before. And it's that training over time and then becoming an instructor there has taught me that like that should bleed into your real life, right? Follow your impulses. Your voice should be loudest in your head about what to do next. Um, and you can take advice from people, but only you know what's right for you. Um, yeah. And it was just really, it was really life-changing. Amazing. And that's so cool that you're like an instructor there now. How cool is that? Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually mentioned after pandemic. Okay. <laughs> pandemic did a lot. Thanks, yeah, pandemic. Thank you very much. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, you, you touched on this a little bit uh, already uh, when it comes to this whole like representation thing that we're talking about. Yeah. Uh, where do you think we are in terms of where, you know, where, where have we come in the last five to 10 years? Where would you like it? Uh, to see it go in the future? Like, what are your thoughts on kind of like where, where that whole conversation is now? Yeah. Um, okay. So where has it been? I think that we have spent all time since 9-11 kind of refuting this terrorist uh, trope that Muslims kind of get boxed into. And recently, it's we've gotten a chance to kind of break out of that, right? So instead of always, again, being a response, a response to discrimination, there are a lot of awesome 
shows featuring Muslims, plays featuring Muslims that shed us in a different light and that are like completely and wholly unrelated to terrorism, which I really, really love. But then on the flip side of that, you want if you want to come at it from like an anti-racist lens, like whose voices are still being platformed? And predominantly it's men. It's predominantly white passing Arab Muslims who get the microphone, who are featured as like kind of like the role models of our community or like that's what people think of when they think of Muslims. They think of Arabs, right? Um, and that is just so we're one of the most diverse, you know, religions in the in the world. 25% of the world is Muslim, but 1% of episodic TV characters are Muslim in 2019. Like that's wild, right? Um, and so when you look at the also like the the race and class connotations to who gets platformed, like we're missing in America, like predominantly black Muslims, we're missing Muslim converts, we're missing East Asian Muslims and Southeast Asian Muslims, like Indonesia, largest Muslim country in the world, it's like never seen them really mentioned or centered in, in Muslim representation. So I think that while it's great, and I know that some of my colleagues would prefer that we just applaud the representation we have, like, I actually think that it is a privilege to be able to celebrate and hold up like a critical lens to say, yeah, but we want better. We deserve more. We deserve, we deserve to constantly be getting better. And that, that doesn't take away from what's happening now. But if we don't constantly look at what is being made through like a hypercritical racial, gender, biased lens, then what will continue to get made are things that align with the status quo. And unfortunately, in the United States, the status quo is white supremacy. So, I mean, like we, people argue about being like, oh, you know, I'm just trying to make art. It's not really like I'm not really trying to make anti-racist art. I just want to make art that features people like you and I. I'm like, that's cool. But we also like don't have that luxury. We don't always have that privilege. And if you don't want to contribute to the problem, like you have to be active in trying to unlearn it, unfortunately. So I think that that's kind of where we are right now. We're steeped in Muslim representation that is extremely siloed and it favors the few. And where I hope it goes in the next 10 years is that we do start to see more independent and varied Muslim creators platformed. I would love for people to think Islam and, and think like any, any race, right? Because that is actually true of our religion. And I would love specifically to see more Muslim stories with Muslim creators in it. Um, I'm seeing a lot of like productions, not just necessarily TV, but also theater, where it's like one Muslim creator and then like no one else is on the team. Like I really think that part of the lack of representation is that we, we, we need to be reaching a hand back to other people and ensuring that, hey, like whether or not somebody has the shiniest resume or the most quote unquote experience or education or whatever that might make you think of, that we are adding Muslim voices to the process, that we're creating mentorship paths for Muslims so that we can have a wide industry where I hope that there's like so many of us that we get to have mediocre art. We get to disagree. We get to like fight each other, but then we all get to go make our own art anyways. Like that's honestly the dream I would love. I would love that it to be so full of Muslim artists that people have so much to choose from. Amazing. Last question. Who are, you know, a handful of other uh, American Muslim creatives that inspire you? I know everyone says this, but Riz Ahmed is definitely okay. up there. Um, I think he's incredible, not only as an artist, but again, the way that he's cultivated community, the way he's been instrumental in using his 
visibility to give back, to create structure like the Riz Ahmed test, which helps people who may not be familiar with like Islam and its and the tropes that we come up against, like helps them figure out whether or not to produce this piece of art, right? Um, whether it'll be hurtful or harmful to the community. So I like really admire him. And I also really cool that he's like never in like the paparazzi. <laughs> you ever notice that? Like nobody can ha has anything bad to say about Reza Ahmed. Nobody can talk shit. And I'm like, yeah, that's perfect. Somebody who wields their power and visibility for good and then just like disappears the whole time. Um, that's definitely career goals. Um, and then I would say another Muslim artist who I really love and I don't think gets a lot of shine is Guz Khan. Mm -hmm. like a British I'm movie. so glad you said that. One of my favorites. Oh, Man Like Halloween. Oh, my God. It's like my, one of my favorite shows. I will never like forget when that show started. I was like, where has this been my whole life? Yes, I was so into like how complex and like messed up the, uh, they were, like the non-perfect Muslim family. And there's a new season, right? I'm so pumped. I know. And like, I'm like, what do we got to do? How many times do I got to say your name in order to get you more than four episodes? Because I will tell anyone that like that show is amazing. It's amazing. It's exactly what I what I was talking about when I was like, we deserve joy and frivolity, but still to be seen within our identities. Like it doesn't have to be one or the other. And so I just love that show so much. And if you're listening to this, go binge all of it on Netflix. Double thumbs up. Tell the algorithm gods we need more. <laughs>